sucking off a fairy. Hello and welcome to House of Bards, the podcast about like D and D and and role playing games and uh, writing stories yes. together. Warlocks. We we've decided we want to do uh, another class study, and we're going to look at the warlock. Mm. Oh, as Tim Curry said in Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost, which by the way, it's not the best moment of Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost. But it's near enough. So when it's revealed that his character is a warlock and he goes, I am a warlock. And it's like, thanks, Tim Curry. As if we couldn't see your heel face betrayal coming from a mile off because your character is voiced by Tim Curry. Mm. So last time we did one of these, we talked about the Bard, which has been a class in Dungeons and Dragons since first edition in some form or another. Mm. Um, by comparison... Uh, the warlock is a uh, a fairly recent well I- invention um, in terms of like the mechanical significance of uh, of the class in in the game of Dungeons and Dragons because it was only introduced in a supplemental book called the Complete Arcane for the three point five edition of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and it was not included as a standard class until fourth edition, uh, and in fourth edition it did a lot of things that I've read and I don't understand. So good for it. I don't know, it's, it's weird. Um, mm. The 5th the edition version of the class, which is what we're going to be focusing on, appears to be some kind of mix between the two previous kinds. Because mm. yeah. the 3.5 edition one, instead of having spells, had invocations, um, which were different in some way that was probably significant. Uh, whereas the 4th edition one had spells, and they, they, were, they were called spells. Whereas 5th edition... The warlock has some spells, but mostly invocations. It's uh, it's a bit of a mix of the two, I think. Mm-hmm. But distilled down thematically, what a warlock really is is a magical girl from anime. If I ever watched Sailor Moon, she'd be a warlock. Well, she'd be I mean, a cloud. I feel, but I, 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 I feel like that's <laughs> that's the other way round. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And you know, actually, Sailor Moon wouldn't be a warlock because I feel like Sailor Moon's powers are inherent to her. And it just took Luna to be like, yo, this is how it works. So actually, Madoka Magica is a warlock. Like, she is, a, they are actually all warlocks, all of the Madokas. Mm. They are warlocks. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. Most that, that magical is, girls you know, are warlocks. In fact, I feel like like in the uh, the generic magical girl template, most of the superpowered characters are warlocks. Because, like, don't the villains generally, like, decide to, you know, embody somebody with, with powers to be a monster of the week? Yeah. No, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like I feel like um, Sailor Moon, which I suppose is the kind of your example of a magical girl series. Like everyone but Alex has seen Sailor Moon. Um, it it's 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 the clerics, the clerics, but principally the clerics. They're not they're not warlocks. But Cad Captain Sakura, she's a warlock by accident. The Madoka Magicas warlocks. So yeah, so so what makes a warlock different from a, a wizard or a sorcerer or a cleric or a druid? Okay. Well, I suppose actually, well, like those are separate things. Like, what, what what makes them different from a wizard or a sorcerer? Um, like principally, that's the source of their powers, because sorcerers are imbued 
with innate magical ability through some method. Mm-hmm. Uh, it varies quite a lot. Wizards gain their powers by learning magic manually the hard way with hard work. Warlocks are uh, sort of a thing in between. They're they're uh, you know magical uh, abominations like sorcerers, hmm. but, but they got that way because of uh, being normal mortals who who did some some searching around like wizards. So they're kind of halfway in between because they have patrons, hmm. beings of supreme and great power who have decided to uh, you know give them these these uh, these powers, which is. Subtly different from being a cleric because those beings generally aren't gods. They they uh, they can sometimes be as powerful as gods, but uh, mm. you're usually looking at something a bit darker than a god. Um, the three given in the uh, in the mon- in the player's handbook are as patron examples are eldritch beings, great old ones, mm-hmm. um, which are like things like Lovecraftian horrors and uh, does it give any other? Um, Let's see. Or the worldly patron. The great old one. Uh, yeah, it's mostly talking about uh, Lovecraftian horrors. It even mentions Cthulhu. Uh, Dendar the Night Serpent might be like more to do with the... Um, you know the, the Viking um, myth about the uh, serpent that sleeps under the uh, under Idrisil? There's a serpent that sleeps under Idrisil, right? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Uh, there's all there's all sorts of shit in Norse mythology, Alex. Yeah, um, but the other two options given are archfey, who are really, really, really powerful fairies. Mm. Uh, and you're talking like um, mainly like Oberon and Titania and other things that were like you know from Shakespeare, but probably in Shakespeare because they were like considered to be proper like you know myths about fairies at the time. Uh, and ancient hags as well, so witches of of great power could uh, could do that. Uh, also, and here is probably the most traditional uh, warlock um, patron example: fiends, mm. because warlocks, in essence, are people who have made a deal with the devil. Yeah, they're they're Faust basically. Yeah, like Doctor Faustus was was a warlock. Yeah. And if you want an example that isn't Magical Girls, then Dr. Faustus is definitely where you should go. The one other patron that currently exists in a uh, Wizards of the Coast published work is the Undying from the mm. uh, Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, which is not really particular to the Sword Coast. It's like um, liches and other kinds of beings who are very powerful and live forever. Mm. I mean, well, I've, I've let you pick that as a patron in the uh, yeah, upcoming uh, yeah, you, you have. live game. Um, you know, because I was like, yeah, no, yeah, that's, that sounds fair. Mm. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it's, I think that the patron is something that makes Warlocks one of the more unique magical using classes. You know, if you're like, you know, like, mm. uh, you know, like Sorcerer and Wizard, really the difference between them is how they learnt their magic. You can play a Sorcerer and a Wizard quite similar to each other, I think. You can, yeah. Um, it's just depending on what spells you want, really, isn't it? And even to an extent, Druid and Bard. The Bard being musical and more athletic, kind of. Mm. And, perform- and charisma and performance-based comes- kind of comes a bit more into it. But, it's you know, it's still... But Bards still cast the way wizards do. Well, no, yeah. So, so how do Warlocks work differently? Because Warlocks are actually, like, 
reasonably out there in how they work. So your spellcasting ability is charisma because fucking hell. All right, th this I I actually don't like. I <laughs> I I do like that there were real efforts made after AD and D to make charisma not a dump stat and, and not have like all parties just be full of like ugly murder hobos who can't talk to girls <laughs> and bards and bards <laughs> like I get it but I actually really do not like that the sorcerer and the warlock and the paladin um, yeah it doesn't and... make sense for the paladin to do this Either. No, I mean, I kind of get it for the Paladin, but I think it's a bit of a stretch, and mm. I don't get it at all for the Warlock. I mean, to an extent, I suppose you could say that Warlocks are supposed to be very charismatic, and I suppose it kind of brings up the sort of idea that I think sometimes Dungeons & Dragons want you to play a character a specific way, and I think it wants Warlocks to be charlatan, showman, conmen, that I kind guess. of a thing. But and like, it if does you're going push for like, that a bit. If you're going for like the the um, the Faustus connection, then they shouldn't be charismatic because the no. whole point of Faustus is that he's like weak-willed and he he's he's intelligent, but he makes a deal with the devil for like supreme power. Because Mephistopheles turns up, and Mephistopheles is is charismatic. Like the patron should be charismatic. Oh yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if there's like a, a good answer to that. I think I think I would use int as the uh, as the. Uh, yeah, yeah, but the, mm. what, but this is the world we live in. Yeah, but the, the, this this is what the great old Lord Gary Gygax decided long ago when it was all written out in the past. That's, okay, first of all, um, I know he created the medium and everything. Yeah. It was like quite yes. a lot. But, but I, I, I do not actually like Gary Gygax or I know, think I know, that many of his contributions were particularly good. Okay, okay. But, and, and also, like, Warlocks turned up in, like, 3.5, which was yeah. long after he had both been forced out of TSR and TSR had been subsumed into Wizards of the Coast, so I yes. don't know exactly what... Yeah. Also, it was for 3.5, so he was dead. That's true. Yeah, he was. Well, so what, what I'm saying is that Gary Gygax had nothing to do with this, but no, he he didn't have anything to do. You know, you know what? You know, it's just like it's, mm. look, it it's it's what wizards want. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, you, your spellcasting ability is charisma. Um, the the other thing I think that's weird about uh, warlocks is you don't get to choose what level you cast spells at. Yeah. You have a small number of spell slots, a very, very small number, yeah. and a small number of, of known spells. And depending on your level as a warlock, you have your slot level. And your slot level is the level that all of your spell slots are. Now, that's fine for casting spells, because across all of 5th edition, you can cast any spell in a spell slot of its level or a higher level. And some spells have bonuses for casting them in higher level spell slots. But it does mean that the Warlock is not really supposed to be like a heavy spellcaster the way that the Wizard and the Sorcerer are. You're still meant to use your uh, your invocations. Um, actually, do you... I'm just going to look to see if you get... Uh... Yeah, you, you even know a smaller number of cantrips than, than everybody else. So, shall we talk about in invocations then? Yeah, sure. Because uh, invocations, I think, are the... Uh, yeah, the... the the important bit. Uh, you get these first at second level. So first level warlocks, bit shit. Yeah. You know, just just straight worse than uh, sorcerers and wizards. Mm. But once you get to second level, you gain 
two eldritch invocations. Um, and the uh, that goes up again at 5th level, at 7th level, at 9th level, at 12th level, at 15th level, and at 18th level. And at the end you will know 8 invocations. So, right, yeah. Uh, so so el- el- Eldritch invocations are like spells, uh, and sometimes involve spells, but are in some ways more limited and in some ways more free. Mm. Uh, they can also involve skills. Shall we just like go through them then? Because we went yeah, through sure, stuff yeah. for the, the bar. Yeah, yeah, go through them. So quite a lot of these require the Eldritch Blast cantrip, which is, uh, that was a mainstay of Warlocks in 3.5 and 4th edition. And yeah. that's no real, no different here. Like every Warlock I've seen played has Eldritch Blast, which is just kind of like a cantrip magic missile for, El- for mm. Warlocks. They just, blah, and they, they shoot magic at things. So your first one is Agonizing Blast. Uh, when you cast Eldritch Blast, add your Charisma modifier to the damage it deals on a hit. I think this is probably fine to pick. Like, uh, your Charisma modifier is going to be high because you're playing a Warlock, and that's their um, prime requisite. And you're going to be casting Eldritch Blast a lot because you don't have a lot of spells, and just fighting with magic normally. Like, the Warlocks I've seen, they cast Eldritch Blast a lot. I think you could uh, you could go far more wrong than picking Agonizing Blast. Uh, armor of Shadows. You can cast Mage Armor on yourself at will without expending a spell slot or material components. This is actually really good. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, Mage Armor, uh, very important for magic users because they don't have a lot of, of armor class and uh, Mage Armor is really, I think, the main way that low-level magic users protect themselves from incoming damage. So being able to cast it on yourself at will with no cost at all, except an action, I guess, is uh, really quite powerful. Uh, Ascendant Step, which uh, the prerequisite is ninth level. You can cast Levitate on yourself at will without expending a spell slot or material components. Um, This is, uh, I guess, in terms of the actual effect that you can get, strictly worse than being able to cast Levitate, because Levitate, Mm. obviously, you can cast on other people. But being able to cast it on yourself at will without expending a spell slot or material components, you can fly. Like that's that's just the like like you you can fly. In fact, shall we just check that levitate is the one that allows you to fly? Because I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, levitate. Oh no! One creature or object of your choice that you can see within range rises vertically up to 20 feet and remains suspended there for the duration. The spell can levitate a target that weighs up to 500 pounds. An unwilling creature that succeeds on a constitutional saving throw is unaffected. The target can move only by pushing or pulling against a fixed object or surface within reach, which allows it to move as if it were climbing. You can change the target's altitude by up to 20 feet in either direction on your turn. If you are the target, you can move up and down as part of your move. Otherwise, you can use your action to move the target, which must remain within the spell's range. When the spell ends, the target floats gently to the ground if it's still aloft. Mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not actually as good as flight, which was the spell I thought this was. But you can still rise up into the uh, the air, which takes you out of reach of melee attackers, so that you can rain down like destruction, I guess. Justice. If you're at ninth level, yeah. If you're at ninth ninth level, uh, you're gonna know ten spells and have two five uh, fifth level spell slots. And no three cantrips and five indications, like one of which obviously is ascendant step. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I I feel like <clears throat> this isn't 
quite as good as I thought it was because I thought it gave you flight. Mm. But eh, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, be speech. You can cast speak with animals at will without expending a spell slot. Um, I feel like it requires a certain kind of warlock in a certain kind of background to really pick this. Yeah. Like if you're a, I guess like very woodsy, uh, kind of like warlock in a, I don't know, like forest type adventure. In- interestingly, I did once watch a game you know on a vod mm. on twitch where the character was playing a, the player was playing a character who was an animal that had made a pact with you know one of these archfair to be turned into a human to live as a human mm. so that's an idea perhaps yeah yeah and Def- also really original yeah you you would want b speech then but otherwise i don't think it's that good Beguiling influence. You gain proficiency in the deception and persuasion skills. Um, I mean, I guess, but why would you not just pick those? Uh, oh, uh, you can't pick persuasion. You can pick um, the deception though, and I feel like um, you probably would want to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that that's that's particularly good. The witching whispers. Mm. Prerequisite seventh level. You can cast compulsion once using a warlock spell slot. You can't do so again until you finish a long rest. What is compulsion? Let's, uh, let's have a look. Uh, compulsion. Creatures of your choice that you can see within range and that can hear you must make a wisdom saving throw. A target automatically succeeds on this saving throw if it can't be charmed. On a failed save, a target is affected by this spell. Until the spell ends, you can use a bonus action on each of your turns to designate a de- direction that is horizontal to you. Each affected target must use as much of its movement as possible to move in that direction on its next turn. It can take its action before it moves. After moving in this way, it can make another wisdom saving throw to try and end the effect. A target isn't compelled to move into an obviously deadly hazard, but it will provoke opportunity attacks to move in the designated direction. This invocation is garbage. (laughs) It's straight trash. Like, that's a bad spell, and having to expend a spell slot and doing it once? No, that is bad. Don't take Bewitching Whispers. Yeah, I I think the thing is... If you're going to make a warlock, Mm. I think you need to have an idea about what you want to make and what the end result you want before you go and make a warlock. (laughs) Warlocks are never, ever going to be, like, AoE uh, damage control type spellcasters. They don't have enough spell slots. The invocations aren't powerful enough. Warlocks get picks, and compulsion is not a good spell for that. Compulsion actually, I don't think, is a good spell. If it stopped like the uh, the creatures from taking their action, I guess I can see that. But it doesn't, so it's like, why why would you do that? It's just no, it's bad. Yeah. Book of Ancient Secrets prerequisite Pact of the Tome feature. Uh, we should maybe talk about the pacts later after we talk about. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You can now inscribe magical rituals in your Book of Shadows. Choose two first-level spells that have the ritual tag from any class's spell list. The spells appear in the book and don't count against the number of spells you know. With your Book of Shadows in hand, you can cast the chosen spells as rituals. You can't cast the spells except as rituals unless you've learned them by some other means. You can also cast a warlock spell you know as a ritual if it has the ritual tag. On your adventures, if you can add other ritual spells to your Book of Shadows. When you find such a spell, you can add it to the book if the spell's level is equal to or less than half your warlock level rounded up, and if you can spare the time to transcribe the spell. For each level of the spell, the transcription process takes two hours and costs 50 gold for the rare inks needed to inscribe it. 
Okay, so leaving aside for a moment the fact that I would house rule the hell out of this invocation yeah. because, like, I really, really disagree with the uh, restrictions on, like, magic. Like, I guess this is kind of good, actually, because mm. you don't have a lot of spells as a warlock and being able to, like, acquire more rituals. I think knowing that you're going to take this invocation at the start means that you can deliberately choose non-ritual spells, um, provided you pick the Pact to the Tome, obviously. So, yeah, I guess this is this is all right. Yeah. Chains of Cassery. Prerequisite. 15th level Pact of the Chain feature. Wow. You can cast Hold Monster at will, targeting a Celestial, Fiend, or Elemental without expending a spell slot or material components. You must finish a long rest before you can use this invocation on the same creature again. This is so narrow. Yeah. Like, I get that its prerequisite is 15th level, so yeah. I think that, that um, the point is, if you're a 15th level character who is adventuring for an extended period of time through heaven, hell, or one of the material planes, the material uh, elemental planes, possibly this is a good invocation for you to pick. Because mm. being able to just hold demons and devils and angels and elementals, you know, that's... Uh, but that's then it good. might not be a good spell, because... You can do all sorts of all different things. You know, your DM might be like, well, I'm not, we're not going to hell, guys. I don't want to tell you. Yeah, I, I feel like this is when you've got to take, when you've already gone to the place where, like, you're going to meet a lot of celestials, de fiends, or elementals, because otherwise it's not that useful. So, mm. not, not very useful until it is, at which point it's very useful. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Devil's Sight. You can see normally in darkness, both magical and non-magical, to a distance of 120 feet. Uh, this, I believe, is slightly better than Dark Vision. It is, yeah. Because Dark Vision is in black and white, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, I've always seen it as like, having night vision, but yeah. Yeah, but night vision is, is black and white. Because like, well, night, like... Night, night vision is green to us, but that's just because... The oh, easiest way for it to be displayed by the technology that we use for it is green. Like, it's not actually... Green. I didn't know. Well, so. I've never worn night vision goggles, so... Like, animals that can see in the dark see in black and white because colour doesn't, like, come through in the dark. Okay. Or, as close to what we understand as black and white, obviously they have different eyes to us, so it's not exact. Anyway, oh, yeah. Yeah. dreadful word. Prerequisite 7th level. You can cast Confusion once using a Warlock spell slot. You can't do it so again until you finish a long rest. Uh, I'm going to have to look up Confusion, but I have a feeling this one is also bad. It hit itself. It hurt itself in Confusion. I actually feel that, that is what the spell is supposed to do. <laughs> um, confusion. The spell assaults and twists creatures' minds, spoiling delusions and provoking uncontrolled action. Each creature in a ten-foot radius sphere centered on a point you choose within range must succeed on a wisdom saving throw. When you cast the spell, will be affected by it. An affected target can't take reactions and must roll a d10 at the start of each of its turns to determine its behavior for that turn. And then there's a bunch of things that it can do. Um, and at the end of each of its turns it can make the save again. When you cast a spell using a spell slot of 5th level or higher, the radius of the sphere increases by 5 feet for each slot level above 4th. And the prerequisite is 7th level. So at 7th level, you your slot level is 4th. Um, I think this is better than the other one, but I still don't think it's that good. Like, Confusion I think is better than Compulsion for this, but... Eh, you know... Uh, Eldritch Sight. You can cast Detect Magic at will without expending a spell slot. Great, take it. Take it early and use it often. Mm. Detect Magic is, like, 
something that is very, very helpful for spellcasters to have, and having it as essentially a cantrip is great. Yeah, this looks... yeah, very good. Eldritch Spear. It's another upgrade to Eldritch Blast. When you cast it, its range is 300 feet. Uh, if you're going to be using Eldritch Blast a lot, then that's a good one to pick as well. In fact, I'd say if you want to be like a damage dealer, then Agonizing Blast and Eldritch Spear together are probably the two that you want to take at second level. Eyes of the Runekeeper. You can read all writing. Okay. I mean, like, that's, that's uh, kind of good if you're doing a kind of, like, archaeology-type exploratory campaign, because then you can just, like, read ancient writings and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Fiendish Vigor. You can cast False Life on yourself at will as a first-level spell without expending a spell slot or material components. Um, casting it on yourself at will uh, is kind of good. False Life, um, for those who don't know, is a spell that essentially like buffs you with fake hit points. Oh, good. Um, so it, it's... I, I think this is the... Uh, yeah, that's, that's all right. Yeah, you could pick that if you find that you're having trouble, like, be with being too squishy. Uh, gaze of two minds. You can use your action to touch a willing humanoid and perceive through its senses until the end of your next turn. As long as the creature is on the same plane of existence as you, you can use your action on, on subsequent turns to maintain this connection, extending the duration until the end of your next turn. While perceiving through the other creature's senses, you benefit from any special senses possessed by that creature, and you are blinded and deafened to your own surroundings. Hmm. Um... Hmm. Uh, see a willing humanoid. I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. that's the uh, the trouble here because it's like if you could do it to like a rat or something. Oh yeah, then uh, that that would be amazing. But as it is, it's like why what what why are we doing this? Because I, I I suppose if you were sending the rogue in somewhere dangerous and they're like, but I want I guess you guys to know if something bad goes down and you, and you're like, no, like, it's that's, all right. That's the I use got case this. for this, right? That, that is the use case for this, and I feel it's just too narrow to justify taking it, unfortunately, which is a pity, because it's quite cool. No, yeah, it is pretty cool, but it's like... Uh, no, I don't I don't think that's a good... Like, yeah. Given you're, you're only going to have eight at the end, this is not a good invocation to pick. Yeah, no, one, no one's pulling a Spice Girl's hair. That's a shame. Uh, life Drinker. Prerequisite 12th level, Pack to the Blade feature. When you hit a creature with your packed weapon, the creature takes extra necrotic damage equal to your charisma modifier, minimum one. Okay, yeah. Um, I think this is like pretty much the same as uh, Agonizing Blast in terms of like being able to pick it. Like obviously it's it's way later, but uh, you want to be able to increase your damage output. So if you're packed to the blade, yeah, maybe this is an alright one to pick. Mask of Many Faces. You can cast Disguise Self at will without expending a spell slot. Yeah, this one. If you're gonna run a like a sneaky kind of of you know uh, deception warlock. Um, then yeah, you wanna you wanna pick that one. That might be a reason to take beguiling influence as well. Although I would have hoped that you'd have taken deception as a skill at this point mm. if you were gonna go into massive many faces. Master of myriad forms, you can ca which is prerequisite fifteenth level. You can cast alter self at will without expending a spell slot. Hmm. Hang on. What is alter self? I'm certain that's the same as Disguise Self. I, I think it's, it's like Disguise Self, except it's, it's real rather than illusory. But oh. let's have a look. <clears throat> Alter Self. You assume a different form. When you cast the spell, choose one of the following options, the effects of which last for the duration of the spell. When the spell lasts, while the spell lasts, you can end one option as an action to gain the benefits of a different one. Aquatic Adaptation. 
You adapt your body to an aquatic environment. You get gills and webbing. You can breathe underwater and gain a swimming speed equal to your walking speed. Change appearance. You transform your appearance. You decide what you look like, including your height, weight, facial features, sound of your voice, hair length, coloration, and distinguishing characteristics, if any. You can make yourself appear as a member of another race, though none of your statistics change. You also can't appear as a creature of a different size than you, and your basic shape stays the same. If you're bipedal, you can't use this spell to become quadrupedal, for instance. At any time for the duration of the spell, you can use your action to change your appearance in this way again. Or, natural weapons. You grow claws, fangs, spines, horns, or a different natural weapon of your choice. Your unarmed strikes deal 1d6 bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage, as appropriate. And you're proficient with your unarmed strikes. Finally, the natural weapon is magic, and you have plus one bonus to the attack and damage rolls you make using it. So... Tech that, it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, like, it, it does sound amazing. You're probably just going to have to live with the fact that the warlock who picks myriad forms will have picked many faces earlier. Because, yeah. Like, like, unless... I guess they might not have done if you want it for natural weapons or, like, aquatic um, adaptation. But most of the time you're going to want it to change your shape, I think. Yeah. So, eh. Eh. Yeah, like, like yeah. Myriad forms sounds great. Yeah. Do it. Like, being able to just change, alt, shapeshift into somebody else at will. That sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, Minions of Chaos, prerequisite ninth level. You can cast Conjure Elemental once using a Warlock spell slot. You can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Conjure Elemental, um, probably fine. Makes a makes yeah. an add for you that, that will you know do do some some fighting on your behalf. That's the kind of of spell that I think is is appropriate for this kind of thing. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's fine. So yeah. that's, if that's what you want to go into, that's probably. I think that that's the best of of the uh, the invocations templated this way that we've seen so far. Yeah. My, Maya the Mind. You can cast Slow once using a Warlock spell slot. You can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Garbage. Straight yeah. garbage. No, don't don't pick it. Slow is not not a not a good sacrifice for an invocation. Misty Visions, you can cast Silent Image at will without expending a spell slot or material components. What is Silent Image? See, I don't know any of these spells. Silent Image, you create the image of an object, a creature, or some other visible phenomenon that's no larger than a 15-foot cube. It appears at a spot within range and lasts the duration. It's purely visual. It isn't accompanied by sound, smell, or anything else. You can use your action to cause the image to move to any spot within range. As it changes location, you can alter its appearance, appearance so that its movements appear natural for the image. Physical interaction reveals it to be an illusion because things can pass through it. Uh, a creature that uses its action to examine the image can determine that it is an illusion with a successful investigation check against your spell save DC. If a creature discerns the illusion of what it is, the creature can see through the image. Um, yeah. Like, I yeah. think the, decep the Deception Warlock wants wants this. Um, just, like, because, you know, you'd be uh, sneaking around and you can, like, make illusions of... Well, as an example, you could make an illusion... Of a criminal lurking down a uh, an alleyway for a guard to uh, leave his post to go and investigate, for instance, that kind of thing. One with shadows, prerequisite fifth level. When you are in an area of dim light or darkness, you can use your action to become invisible until you move or take an action or reaction. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the 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 sneak warlock wants this as well. Like that's that seems fine. Doesn't cost a slot. Yeah. Otherworldly leap. You can cast Jump on yourself at will without expending a spell slot or material components. This is, I think, probably better than the Levitate one, although it's uh, 
Oh no, they 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 both have the prerequisite of ninth level. I think you want to pick this one instead of the levitate one because jump is more helpful as a spell. Repelling blast. This is another eldritch blast cantrip upgrade. When you hit a creature with it, you can push the creature up to ten feet away from you in a straight line. I mean, I get it. I get this one because warlocks tend to be kind of squishy and they don't have a huge amount of like heavy damage output. So you don't want enemies to get near you. But on the other hand, I just don't know that this is worth a uh, worth an invocation. You know, mm. sculptor of flesh, uh, seventh level prerequisite. You can cast polymorph once using a warlock spell slot. You can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Um, like again. I think this is a good one out of the, uh, like, I, I don't like this format for invocations, but I think Polymorph is a good spell to pick. I don't know. I, I really, mm. really do not. I, I guess um, Polymorph might in theory be better than Alter Self, but you can only cast it once. I'm not mm, sure. Um, like, use yeah. your own judgment on that one based on, on what kind of warlock you're making. Yeah. Sign of Ill Omen, prerequisite fifth level. You can cast Bestow Curse once using a Warlock spell slot. You can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Like, this is in flavour for Warlocks? I don't know that Bestow Curse is a good enough spell to really justify this, though. Mm. Uh, bestow Curse. Touch a creature, it has to Wisdom Saving Throw or become cursed. When you cast the spell, choose the nature of the curse of the following options. Uh, it has disadvantage on ability checks and saving throws made with one ability score you choose. It has disadvantage on attack rolls against you. It has to make a wisdom saving throw at the start of each of its turns. If it fails, it wastes its action that turn doing nothing. Uh, or it, your attacks and spells deal an extra 1d8 necrotic damage to it. Huh. I mean, that's alright, I guess. But you can only cast it once. Uh, I don't know. Thief of Five Fates. You can cast Bane once using a Warlock spell slot. You can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Urgh. They they really like this format, don't they? Mm. I really do not like it. I think it is bad. Mm. This is a waste of a, a uh, an invocation. Mm. Bane. Up to three creatures of your choice that you can see within range must make charisma saving throws. Whenever a target that fails a saving throw makes an attack roll or saving throw before the spell ends, the target must roll a d4 and subtract the number rolled from the attack roll or saving throw. No. No, that is bad. Do not pick it. Thirsting Blade. Prerequisite 5th level, Pact of the Blade feature. You can attack with your packed weapon twice instead of once whenever you take the attack action on your turn. Probably fine. I don't know a lot about the Pact of the Blade, but like that seems like you want to be doing a lot of like damage with this blade that you have, so... Yeah, sure, do it. Vision of Distant Realms. You can cast Arcane Eye at will without expending a spell slot. Arcane Eye. What is Arcane Eye? You create an invisible magical eye within range that hovers in the air for the duration. You mentally receive visual information from the eye, which has normal vision and dark vision out to 30 feet. The eye can look in every direction. As an, eye, as an action, you can move the eye up to 30 feet in any direction. There is no limit to how far away from you the eye can move, but it can't enter another plane of existence. A solid barrier blocks its movement, but the eye can pass through an opening as small as one inch in di diameter. Um, yeah, sure, actually, that sounds fun to, uh, to, to do. Although 15th level prerequisite, I don't know. I feel like maybe the, the sneak um, warlock wants this. Yeah. Voice of the Chainmaster, uh, prerequisite Pact of the Chain feature. You can communicate telepathically with your familiar and perceive through your familiar senses as long as you're on the same plane of existence. Additionally, 
while perceiving through your, your familiar senses, you can also speak with, through your familiar in your own voice, even if your familiar is normally incapable of speech. Go on. I would hope your familiar is normally incapable of speech. What the hell? What the, who's your, what's your familiar if it's not... If it, like, animals aren't supposed to talk. That's, that's a, that is bad BDSM if your familiar is another human. Yeah. I'm saying that right now. It's bad. It's naughty. Don't do it. Hmm. I mean... Yeah, I, this is probably quite good, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, it's better than um, the willing humanoid one. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think of the two, this is the one you want. But you have to take Pact of the Chain to uh, to take it, obviously. Mm. Whispers of the Grave, prerequisite ninth level. You can cast Speak with Dead at will without expending a spell slot. Um, like, it's weird, but I feel like the Undying Patron um, Warlock wants this. Um, it's... I don't know how much speaking with the dead that you're going to have, but uh, I guess it means that you can interrogate people after murdering them. Which site, where, which I believe is the final one? Yeah, it is. You can see the true form of any shape changer or creature concealed by illusion or transmutation magic while the creature is within 30 feet of you and within line of sight. Prerequisite 15th level. Hmm. I mean, that's kind of cool, like being able to see through any shapeshift disguise. Yeah. And illusory disguise as well. Um, mm. I I don't know exactly what kind of warlock you would want that for. Like maybe some kind of like inquisitor. Yeah, it re- it really just depends on the character you want to make. At, it the, does. at the end of the day, like it, it, yes. this is like it with all spells. It's what kind of character do you want to make? Like that's it. Mm. And the DMG does seem to push you in more of a sneaky con man artist kind of direction well, yeah either that or just like a um i want to say second rank fighter who like eldritch blasts a lot yeah and like just sort of runs around the uh the battlefield like just constantly dpsing yeah yeah but if you're that kind of thing then out of combat you're probably going to be like uh well as an example uh, my friend who plays a warlock plays uh, a noble like this, this warlock is like the uh, he's the second son, I think, or maybe the third. So he's not really in line for anything, but he's still like you know of noble blood, mm. and he's trying to to prove himself. But that means that he's he's very uh, very pompous and self important outside combat, where he just runs around shooting shit with a huge blast. But uh, <laughs> but then he he's sort of like the um, the voice of the party, if you like. Yeah, he does most of the talking. I just thought sense. of another. Another warlock in media, Alex. Yeah. Aladdin, right? Um, Technically. I, I I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Which makes me wonder if anybody's ever had like a gin as um, a homebrew variant. I, there I probably feel is like they, like they must have done like like you you'd have to extend the wishes to like the the gin is in your service and you just get wish that that would be really interesting actually if like yeah. Uh, you gained these powers because you wished for them. Wow, yeah, that, that probably is like a homebrew um, Yeah, I, w- I would imagine so. I'll, ha- I'll you know, I'll just have a look on the do, Reddit. Do, do, the, do, the do you want to talk about homebrew? homebrew yeah, homebrew I think because obviously one of the great things about the patrons and the domains and stuff like that is you can kind of, mechanically, it's very easy to make one yourself. Um, so it's very easy to just sort of go on to any kind of D&D homebrew, Tumblr or Reddit, 
and just look at them. And a few mm. of my favourites, one of my personal favourites is having the DM as your patron. Um, and then there's also you, your character, but from the future. So yourself from the future as your own patron. Yeah, I, I love the one that's you from the future because mm. it's it's so, like... There's such an interesting implied, um, like, like thing that, like, you from the future presumably have loads and loads of powers, which you only have because yourself from the future gave them to you. It's like, what? Yeah, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it, that, that's a fun one. Um, I'll see if I can find them in a bit, but like, so we can talk a bit more about them. But it, it's, as well, I, I like DM as a patron as well, because it gets very meta. And also the yeah. DM doesn't have to play another character. <laughs> they can just be themselves talking to a character, which is always interesting. Um, I, I mean, mean it, obviously that's that's for kind of a, a sillier game than we generally like, you say play. You say yeah. that, but my, my world does support that completely seriously. Like, it's... it's that's a thing you can be like that's not like that to me i'm like yeah that's not weird at all because there's so much in the plot already about narrative and stories and stuff like that that it completely makes sense that you're allowed to interact with the dm as a warlock whose patron is the dm but yeah for a sillier game sure mm. but you yourself from the future is also quite silly so it, it is silly, but it can it can work in like the uh, the storyline of the game. Whereas if you choose the DM, like yeah. you're 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 preparing for a goofy kind of game. No, so, yeah, oh yeah, it's yeah. Goofy. But it's it's I think it's it's a it's a fun one. I think anyway. Mm. But it, it's as well. It's it's the idea of you know a warlock would be completely whether they're a fictional character in a game controlled by someone else. Their actions aren't really their own. Um, <laughs> so they've looked to the highest power, higher than even the gods, to them anywhere at least. And I don't know, I just I like that, and I I think you could go quite serious with it, but it it it's a certain kind of strange serious, and you have to delve mm. into what it actually means to be a fictional character and all the stuff that I love, like yeah. you know. I recently I read this comic Loki, Agent of Asgard, and. It deals very strongly about what it means to be a comic book villain and to always have your destiny be you always get basically retconned back into being evil. And what are the implications for that if you were, say, a person with like real feelings and emotions? Well, it's probably going to be kind of shit for you, isn't it? And how do you break away from that destiny? And the, the answer in the end is you can't. You've just got to make the best of it, which is like, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, all Ewing, for that. Um, I mean, um, a lot of the beings who you could pick as a patron will generally fall under the Great Old One. Mm. Like, for instance, uh, if you chose the Titans in a, a Greek mythology game. Yeah. Like, if they're not gods, they're Great Old Ones, right? Because they came before the gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, like, trapped, and they're very, very powerful. Um and like most of the stuff that isn't a god in Viking mythology is going to be a great old one, like uh, yeah. that dog that that um, Odin chained to his throne, weirdly, and then uh, eats him. Fenra, yeah, yeah. Fenra. Well, I mean, maybe Loki should stop having sex with monsters. Just a suggestion. <laughs> I mean, maybe you know he won't. <laughs>
Like, if, if he'd stopped that, maybe the Ragnarok wouldn't have happened. Mind you, the Ragnarok only happened because Odin decided to fuck with Loki anyway and was like, I'm gonna make all your family live in servitude and I'm gonna tie you and, and have serpents spit venom in your eyes and Loki's like, oh, when the end of the world comes, I'm gonna get you good. But Loki doesn't get him because Heimdall kills him. Spoilers for the next Star movie, by the way, but Norse mythology has existed for thousands of years, so... And it's like, yeah, like most of that stuff is is going to be a a great old one, yeah. If it's not a god, yeah. But there is like there are other things. Um, I I really like the Undying Patron from the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Mm. I think that is quite honestly the best thing to come out of that book. Um, except maybe the Rogue Mastermind, but that's <laughs> mainly good for DMs, just because. It's a very good archetype for like a lot of villains, mm. but no, like the the Undying Patron, I really like because uh, it's like super powerful liches and vampires and other not necessarily evil beings, but mostly evil, who yeah. like have in some way managed to cheat death. So, mm. you know, it's uh, it's not even that hard to uh, to make uh, a a, um, a new patron. In fact, actually. Uh, I did make one, so shall I talk about that? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay, let me uh, let me get it up. Uh, where are you? Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Uh, the Arch Dragon. Your patron is one of the original dragons, demons given form on the material plane to wreak Skedrenth's terrible conquest. Maybe uh, you delved into the darker side of the astronomical arts, which led you to discover the Well of Raw Power of Astronax's slumber inside the Dragon Star. Uh, or if your character resides in the pages of the history books, you might have thrown your lot in with Jacorax's conquest, or even managed, managed to amuse Great Sked herself sufficiently to be rewarded. So you get an expanded spell list, um, like all patrons. Uh, first level you get Command and Chromatic Orb. Second mm. level you get Enhance Ability and Enlarge Reduce. Third level you get Call Lightning and Fly. Fourth level you get Stone Skin and Mordenkainen's Private Sanctum. Fifth level, you get Dominate Person and Dream. Uh, and then your abilities are Voice of the Dragon. Starting at first level, you gain the ability to project the majestic and commanding voice of the true dragon blood. You have advantage on charisma-based skill checks involving speech. In addition, once per short or long rest, you can choose to add double your proficiency bonus to an Intimidate or Perform check. Commander of the Blood. Starting at sixth level, you gain the ability to swell your army's ranks with your kindred. Choose your race, your background, one of your classes, your total level, or one of your class levels whenever you finish a short or long rest. You can choose a sentient or sapient creature that shares the chosen quality with you. Level corresponds to challenge rating in monsters. The DM decides if similarities between custom backgrounds are significant. That creature must make a wisdom saving throw against your warlock spell save DC. If it fails, it falls under your control for a number of months equal to 1d10 plus your warlock spellcasting modifier. A controlled being must follow any verbal instruction you give it to the best of its understanding. A controlled being that has not been explicitly instructed by you not to do so will automatically defend you if it witnesses you being attacked. Creatures that are immune to being charmed cannot be controlled this way. Controlled beings will attempt to behave as normal when not carrying out your commands. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short or long rest. Fiend Given Form Starting at 10th level, you gain a fraction of the awesome otherworldly invincibility a first-generation dragon holds. Although you can still be weakened and even rendered unconscious by lack of air, food, or drink, 
You cannot be killed or permanently harmed by suffocation, starvation, or dehydration. You also cannot be put to sleep. And finally, Dragon Wings. At 14th level, you gain the ability to spout a pair of dragon wings from your back, gaining a flying speed equal to your current speed. You can create these wings as a bonus action on your turn. They last until you dismiss them as a bonus action on your turn. You can't manifest your wings while wearing armor unless the armor is made to accommodate them, and clothing not made to accommodate your wings might be destroyed when you manifest them. Which is basically the dragon wings ability from the uh, dragon blood sorcerer. Mm. So that's that. Like I came up with that just by like looking at the uh, the patrons as they existed, and yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I could could add anything from my world to a patron. I wonder. Yeah, I'm Not... trying to think of like stuff that we've we've seen that would be. Yeah. Like definitely, we've seen Faye who could be patrons. Yeah. But again, Archfair, that's a thing anyway. Yeah. Um. um... We, we haven't seen a lot of demons or devils yet. Yeah, that's because, like, I was like, uh... uh the Undying is definitely... Well, yeah, the a, Undying's definitely... I've, I've, I've mentioned multiple, you know, th- throughout multiple suggestions for you and stuff like that. Mm. Um, you know, uh, death, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't think I could add anything really to the... I think the only thing really... I'm like, I'm not really that keen on like old gods or whatever like that. They aren't really a thing in my no, setting. No, I, like... I, I don't like that at all. Like the actually I... right at the moment, the only great old one in Dawn Somber is the Everfalls King, who is mm. the uh the controller of the Mansion of Mirrors and the being who created doppelgangers. Yeah, and I, I I don't necessarily mind stuff that's a bit creative like that, but generally when it's like the old one, most DMs just make it Lovecraftian stuff, and I'm like, why? No, why? Why is this here? Why are you why doing? Are you yeah, doing why? That? Why have you put this stuff here? <laughs> why? Is, I mean, it's what... kind of a holdover because like there was an AD and D supplement where they did that, and then like, yeah, in know, future editions it's... they just did it. Yeah, it's, it's like no, why, stop why it. It's it's like some of the stuff like some of the stuff that's like left over from like the space stuff they did and i get it to an extent but at the same time i'm like why is this here still well <laughs> I, I kind of like the fact in? that they took the uh i like the fact that they took the gif and they put them in the astral plane instead of in space yeah like just because it makes the astral plane like slightly more interesting but yeah, yeah, I, yeah I get you I, I do get yeah you. you know you know and these, these are just my things with it i'm just like oh I mean, you know, we, we've definitely got, like, I have, you know, like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, like, the idea of, like, the Titans, that's cool. Something that came before the gods, but is actually interesting and isn't Cthulhu. Mm. Not that Cthulhu is boring. It's just, why is he here in a fantasy setting? What What is he doing yeah. in a setting where weird shit happens anywhere? Because I'll tell you right now, in a world where things like Beholders exist... I'm way more scared about the Beholders than I am about Cthulhu. At the very least, like, you'd be prepared for it. Like, yeah. the way that when Emrakul turned up, like, Innistrad freaked out way less than Zendikar did. Just yeah, because yeah. Innistrad is where, like, a whole load of gothic horror stuff happens anyway, so when Lovecraftian horrors turn up, they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is bad, but it's no no worse <laughs> yeah, it's, than the stuff that happens normally. It's it's the welcome to Nightmare answer, isn't it? Like, they face mm. so much shit on a regular basis. It's like... This is just our lives. I mm. suppose awful things happen, so it's, it's just you know. It's like 
yes, obviously, if we, like, if we saw, actually, is that, that's a good question. If we did see Cthulhu in real life, would the people who've read H.P. Lovecraft and seen a lot of cosmic horror, would they be more adequately prepared to see an actual cosmic horror? I want to say yes, but given the way that Lovecraft described cosmic horror as, like, horrifying people, possibly not enough that it would mm. make a significant difference. Yeah, and it, it's that interesting idea, isn't it? Like, the, the idea in a zombie apocalypse, the person who watches the most zombie movies and plays the most zombie video games, they're the ones who survive, and, which you wouldn't, because it, it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... It's the people who have, like, practice, like doctors, uh, people who can cook really well, people who have actual survival skills, people who go hunting, they're the ones who are going to survive the apocalypse, not... Also, like, birds. people who know how to work together in communities to, like compensate for skills that they don't have yeah. and not fucking loners like Jane <laughs> yeah Rumble, Rumble, <laughs> Walking Dead season 2 is shit <laughs> yeah it's, it's like look you got like it, it's fine if you enjoy zombie movies but you, you've got to be able to teamwork as well and it's like the, the experience of like watching zombie movies and playing zombie video games is only really going to help you if these zombies work exactly the same way as the zombies you've already seen and somehow you know that god well, oh until dawn is what i'm thinking of right that they're, they're like because these are like kids right okay so that in until dawn spoilers they all get attacked by wendigos and one of the girls gets bit and because obviously these are teenagers played by 30 year olds but obviously because these are teenagers who've watched that many horror movies they're like i have to chop off my hand on my arm or whatever, because I, we, you know, or we have to kill her because she's going to turn into one of them, right? And if you kill her, you make the wrong call and you kill an innocent person, right? And it's it's like you 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 do a bad thing, but like obviously, if you know anything about Wendigos, it's not so much um, if they bite you, it's if you bite someone else, that's when you become a Wendigo. Yeah, because like Wendigos, they just eat everything, yeah. and they're like. I think they're supposed to be humans who, like, by their unnatural hunger, like, turn themselves into raving monsters. Yeah. So, yeah. Silly. Silly. Silly teen. But, like, that that just, to some extent, I was like, that actually does make sense. Because, like, yeah, no, like, people who've watched, like, who do not understand the rules of something are gonna naturally turn to fiction and be like, this is just like one of my horror movies. And it's like, no, it's not. It's not like that at all. Which is maybe the mistake some warlocks make because they watch that much anime that they think it's going to be just like Sailor Moon and Kid. It's just not. It's not. Because hmm. <laughs> let's face it, if any warlock read actually read Dr. Faustus as it is, wouldn't want to become. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, wait, he goes to hell at the end. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, no, thanks. <laughs> or like, at the very least, they'd be like, well, this is probably not something that I want to like do lightly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, 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 it's got to be something where if I don't do it, a bad enough thing will happen that going to hell at the end is, is fine. Yeah. Which, of course, does beg the question, you know, from a story standpoint, what does the patron ask of this person? Because there's got to be something in for them at the end of the day. Well, I think this is where the Archfey patron works quite well, because fairies yeah. are always known for, like, making, like, weirdly disproportionate deals yeah. with humans. And... Oh my god, do you remember that um, Tumblr post about sucking off a fairy? <laughs> yes. That had like quite good meta about how um, most of the time 
fairy deals in folklore are to do with like hospitality and stuff. Yeah. So like maybe the uh, the archfey like you've been to the Feywild and you had tea with Titania or something. Yeah. And Titania's like, okay, now in return you gotta you gotta like be my um, I guess pawn in the material yeah. world. Yeah. And like I'll give you some powers to help you with that, but you gotta you gotta go and do do my shit. And you're like, uh, either that or you helped out a fairy yeah. somehow, and the fairy's like, okay, well, here are some like magic powers because you you helped me a lot. So. <laughs> The post, the post we're referencing, for those who haven't seen it, um, was basically uh, a nuanced discussion about whether giving a blowjob to a uh, member of the Fae constituted an obligation on your part to repay them, or an obligation on their part to repay you, because you're <laughs> ingesting material from the Fae plane, but... It is done so in the service of, uh, of you know, doing a favour for a fairy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, like, the, the original poster was like, you know, because it's like, um, you know, you eat a tiny bit of fruit and suddenly the fairies own you forever or whatever. Yeah. And somebody else is like, no, but it's about hospitality and yeah. about, like, weirdly disproportionate repayment for things. And if you suck off a fairy, that's you doing a favour for them. So now they're in your debt. <laughs> and you're like, okay. okay yeah. Okay. So, you know, uh, as to fiends, I mean, demons, like, generally, you're looking down the Faustus route, right? Mm, yeah. So, generally speaking, if you get uh, powers from a fiend, it is unlikely that you have already done a favor for them like you you've promised your soul in in exchange yeah. for powers like that's yeah. that's how this works um i think maybe it does give you uh some some like uh other options um no it, it actually doesn't it's just that you've made a pact uh, the great old one is interesting because like it has to cover such a broad spectrum of things uh it fully acknowledges that the great old one may actually be unaware of your existence like, you might just be leeching um, power off, like, the, I don't know, slumbering world snake or whatever. Mm. And it, it won't know that you're doing that. And you, you are so insignificant that it doesn't care about that at all. Yeah, like, Cthulhu isn't going to arise from the sea. And you're like, Master! And he's like, well done, Gary! And he high-fives you. Uh, and then you're like, yeah, let's Cthulhu's... destroy them together, Cthulhu-san! And he's like... <laughs> No, instead I, I, Cthulhu rises from the sea and you're like, Master, and it's like, who the fuck are you? Like, Master, new phone, who dis? You know, that that's more like Cthulhu style. But yeah, it's... it's um, Warlocks, uh, they, they're given a lot of um, freedom in how they're played. Mm. Just because it's a possibility that, you know, maybe, like Faustus, you, you made this deal because you're an evil shit. Mm. Uh, who desires personal power, or maybe like, I don't know, Sailor Moon. You uh, <laughs> you made this deal because you want to protect people, and you need powers to do that. That's not how Sailor Moon had this foisted upon her that Fair Luna enough. made her become Sailor Moon. <laughs> Fair enough, but the point is, like, <clears throat> you can be a good warlock, you can be a bad warlock. Your patron doesn't really control that. Mm-hmm. 
it can happen. It could be, but it could be an accident, a mishap. Yeah. Like oh, I, I feel like Archfey definitely can be an accident. Yeah, like, that, that's yeah. I feel like every, especially in two Earth, every Archfey warlock you meet, it's an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, I walked into the Fairwild and I gave Oberon a blowjob. Now it's uh, it's complicated. <laughs> oh god. That's exactly see. That's exactly how it works. Into like to it. Like I all, I I definitely feel like in my fair world at least all arch fair packs are probably in some form sexual as well because that that's just that's just the fair. See, it's a bit kinky. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. See, it's funny because I thought the Feywild was the extent of Two Earth going a bit kinky, but now you've you've pulled us into. Lucian Bartello's shadow, shadows like deviant art castle. Yeah, yeah. With like fucking empreg potions and all that. <laughs> it's not. It's not technically empreg because it's a parasite. Sure, sure, sure. It isn't. Sure, it's, it isn't. It's a parasite. It's not yeah. empreg. I mean, like Azrael's not really gonna care because. He knows that he can annoy people the most if he just insists that he's pregnant now. <laughs> and it doesn't oh. matter if it's like a weird slime thing that's going to crawl out of his mouth. Like, that's fine. I mean, in theory, he's had other children or is going to have other children. Yeah, but it's, it, no, they normally don't, you know, adjust it in him. This is true. But he, he's not going to have any, like, contact with the other children. It's true. They're, they're just going to be, like, little wolf cubs somewhere. Mm. So you'll get to raise this parasite. All I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> little Asriel Jr. No, As- Asriel would not be into the idea of naming his children after himself. <laughs> like, I feel like maybe that's not a thing that... Is that a thing that nomads do? Because they don't really have like lineage as a concept. No, they so. don't. No, they don't have surnames and stuff like that. So yeah. it's it more like uh, uh, I would say. Look, I think as well in nomad culture, the thing is children aren't properly gendered until they're old enough to like mm. understand gender presentation. So like seven or eight. You know, like infant is a gender in nomad society, so it's probably like more of a they they have like an infant name, a baby name, and then they you know along with their parents and family pick a name for themselves based on their skills and abilities. Um, so yeah, Azriel probably got one because he was just that goth. Mm. <laughs> well, as Azriel um, is. Literally the uh, the angel of death, as far as I remember. That's well, no, yeah, like I yeah, they were the... they were like, man, this kid's so go, like yeah, ah, oh, he's he's definitely he's in a yeah, he's really into dead shit, Azriel. Hmm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but that that was the reason why I picked it. No, yeah, he was a death cleric, so yeah. But definitely, uh, coming back to warlocks, yes, uh, mechanically they're significantly different from like other classes hmm. um it's it's definitely a bit of a surprise the whole uh oh, yeah. small number of spell slots thing oh yeah no i know that rubs some people the wrong way as well which... it does like matt couldn't get on with it i don't think no because they're, they're, they're i think they're definitely not just like a different flavor of wizard the way sorcerers are yeah so 
they're their own kind of distinct thing. Yeah. I think you know, if really, you want to like, play a shooty shooty pew pew, maybe pick something else. And, I don't know actually. It. I think a shooty shooty pew pew is exactly what a a, a warlock. Well, could no, be. yeah, but you know, if you want, if you want a ma- I think if you want the to amount be, of spells, if you want to be the Swiss Army knife of wizards, don't don't be a warlock. <laughs> no, don't be a warlock. You're gonna run out of things to do really quite quickly. Mm. Um, the thing where your uh, your um, patron decides what spells you have access to is kind of cool. Like, oh, I yeah. think Warlock's definitely... You pick a Warlock because you want to have a flavourful character. Yeah. And I think on this podcast, with our mission statement, we can approve of that. Yeah, and I think there's lots of different ideas you can have for a Warlock character as well, and it's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's... It, it's really a, a very story-heavy kind of uh, character to, yeah. to, to play, which is one of the reasons why I'm really interested to play this character that I'm going to play in... Uh, uh, absolutely. In the anniversary yes. game. Yeah. So, is that us then? I think that is us, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, mm. obviously we haven't spoken about everything um, mm. no. about Warlocks. There's still the pacts and stuff, but uh, we well, would suggest yeah. that you um, read up on those yourself in the uh, in the player's handbook. Yes. They're, they're going to, unlike uh, invocations, they're going to come in... Uh, immediately when you decide to make a uh, a warlock yourself yeah Ooh. and also like i don't believe that there's any one that's particularly better than others unlike some of the invocations it's like whatever you know whatever is most appropriate to 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 you there are three of them the pact of the chain gives you a familiar the pact of the blade gives you a weapon that you use a lot that's magic uh, and the pact of the tome gives you like a spell book but it's like a grimoire and it's full of ancient forbidden knowledge and shit mm. so yeah a very very flavorful class and i think a, a good pick for uh for our second um class study episode just because of how flavorful it is oh yeah no yeah, um i think a... i always say we should do some of the more standard basic classes that have been there since the start but i don't want to no <laughs> I, 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 I feel like like when we do um yeah. like maybe we want to like go into quite a bit of depth on that because obviously when you do the more standard basic classes you kind of have to elaborate a bit more on how those can be played yeah whereas here it's pretty obvious that there's got to be quite a bit of work between the dm and the player as to uh, yeah. you know what's going yeah. on with the warlock mm. anyway <clears throat> yes um so yeah this was uh, possibly a shorter episode than normal i'm not entirely sure how much it's gonna cut down to mm. in the end but um until next time i've been alex and I've been back. Uh, you can contact us, uh, or you can contact me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Twitch as Cleaver Crummish. I'll put that in the uh, description. Mm, uh, yep, yeah. sim- similar for me, Twitter, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, and Twitch at Baroness Bam. Yeah. Um, uh, I continue to stream. Beth, I think, is having some difficulties. It's it's on a it's on a little break until I can figure out really what's going on, and I kind of need the time and the willpower and. I'm setting up stuff for the live game. I'm going to learn how to use Roll20 as well. And I've mm-hmm. got stuff going on. <laughs> sure. I've got things to figure out. And again, um, my apprenticeship that I do for my work is wrapping up as well. So I, I need to focus on those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, perhaps we'll start Twitch streaming when I've got a bit more time on my hands and to figure out what the hell's wrong. Ever I... since I upgraded to Windows 10, I've had these problems. Hmm. I, conversely, uh, stream on Thursday and Sunday evenings, uh, GMT, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, on Thursdays, I'm streaming Return to Castle Wolfenstein on my show uh, Signal Boost because I love the Wolfenstein series. I love them a whole lot, and Return to Castle Wolfenstein is a really good game. Uh, and on Sunday, I'm streaming Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, which is interesting. Have you gotten the um, mod for that game that makes it playable? Yes. Yes, yes okay, good. <laughs> Otherwise, it looks like straight garbage. And yeah. It doesn't play very well. No. But no, no I, I have. The only problems that I have are uh, you got to keep turning bump mapping on and off because otherwise like you get weird texture glitches with blood and stuff. Yeah. Anything that like adds a decal to an existing texture is, is a problem. Yeah. I have a soft spot for that game, even though it's buggy. Yeah, like I like shit. it, but uh, but I think like the last stream at time recording that I did of it is... Um, it was funny because like, I'm doing uh, missions for... Um, Fuck! What are they called? The twins. Uh, what one of them's on like the cover of the game? Yeah. The, the, oh, there's the party one and the business one, and they hate each other. <laughs> and I don't like either of them. So like, one of them will will hire me to do something that fucks up the other one, and I'm like, okay, I know that you're manipulating me, but I actually just don't give a shit <laughs> because I hate both of you. <laughs> but I have to keep doing your missions because otherwise, you won't actually tell me where to find the guy that I need to find. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it's uh, it's it's fun, and there are people who know more about vampire than me generally in the chat yeah, who can tell me about stuff because I've never played that game. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the, that was us, and yeah. uh, the music, as always, by was by Kevin McLeod. I don't know what exactly the uh, the background um, image is going to be, but it's probably going to be a promo shot from uh, Magical Girl Anime if I can find one of those that has rights for me to use it. It, it would be good if... Um, I, I wonder if I can draw Dr. Faustus as an anime girl in time. <laughs> I don't know that Dr. Faustus has a canon appearance because he's from classic literature. <laughs> uh, but there's probably like a, a, an illuminated, like, I don't know, a woodcut of him or something that will be like, fair, you know, for... for free to use, uh, yeah. which I will use if I cannot get the animus. Yeah. So, uh, I think the yeah. animus would be better, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, it would be a better joke. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. It might be that, like, that might not even be his Maybe. nomad name. Like, it might Maybe. be a name that the pirates gave him because he's, like, sometimes a dick about people who are dying. And they're like, <laughs> you have to help us, cleric. This man is dying. And he's like, yes, he is. And it's his time. And they're like, are you going to help? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but really, Asriel's not helping because, like, maybe... Like, he stole a last sweet roll or something, because yeah. I feel as real as that petty. <laughs> well, or just because he can't be bothered. You know? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, but I'm all the way over here, and he's all the way over there. And there are, like, a million Navy personnel in between there, so I'm not... Nah, I'm all right, guys. I mean, the Navy personnel aren't actually doing anything to stop me, but they could. <laughs> they possess that ability, and I would rather not tangle with them and they're like you're a dick you just like watching people die we're gonna call you Azrael because we know about 
Hebrew scripture for some reason, even though we're uneducated pirates. From a completely different universe. Where... Well, yeah, a completely different universe that seems to like cross over a lot, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I would say, look, I would say nomads and the Jewish people are very thematically similar. Yeah. Like in terms That's of fair. the struggles they've had, so yeah. Mm. 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 